The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this week's edition of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about Draft. Draft Draft.com is one of the coolest new ways to play fantasy sports. You get to draft against you know, three, five, ten-man competitions. There's new drafts starting every five minutes. Your chances of winning on draft are over 80% better than on salary cap sites. That's why you need to try draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than one million people have already downloaded draft. You can play in real life NBA, NFL. They have NHL. PGA is a great one. They have MLB. They have them all. And it keeps getting better, better, and better. Drafts usually finish in under five minutes. You get paid the next day. The event finishes, but they're fi- and they're filling fast. Every second, drafts are filling. They have them up until your game. Games begin. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, and you have to use the promo code SD Sports. All one word, SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 77 we continue our trip around the fantasy baseball diamond we go to a place that depending on how you look at your teams you either love or you just don't care about the relief pitcher position and in some leagues it's huge some like i said it can go deep but we have a great great uh voice to talk about the the bullpen area he writes the bullpen at articles for baseball hq you can find on twitter at doug dennis 41 doug how are we doing good thanks for having me no thanks for joining us uh this i i really enjoy the closers position but you know what i'm talking about i think when i say that some people just kind of write it off as it's not a important thing but then come into the season 
you're you could be really hurting if you just kind of played that role. So uh, you got thick skin to deal with closers. They change every week. Yeah, exactly, and that's why we'll we'll get to the uh, closers and some potential you know guys to keep an eye on and so forth in a bit. But I did want to recap if you know everybody's talked about it for the last few days, but now everyone's doing tout wars and focused on that. You took place in the NL uh, NL labor auction this past weekend, and um, it was a very all these auctions between the experts are always really intriguing to see where guys go for what prices because it varies as you know, but before we kind of get into the actual labor part of it, the actual team you made, do you have any like certain strategies you like to follow when you're doing an auction or do you kind of go with the flow of the crowd? Well, you try to do the opposite of go with the flow of the crowd. At least I try to. I mean, when they're doing one thing, then then those things cost more. And so I try to do the opposite. But um, most years, I mean, probably the last five or six years, I've gone with a really heavy um, hitting strategy. Like I'll pay 230 out of my 260 just on hitting, you know, and then try to trade in season and labor because you can do that. You don't need a balanced team. You're just trying to get value, and there's a lot of risk with pitchers. But um, this year was a little different because a um, few reasons. One is that power is, is easy to get, um, where in the past it wasn't as easy to get um, late in the draft. And, um, and pitching um, has really kind of gone at a premium, particularly innings. It used to be that I could roster 950 innings for that $30, but I can't really anymore. And so I needed to spend a little more on, uh, on just on getting innings. So, um, I, I, you know, I changed it up a little bit this year, spent a little bit more on pitching, not too much more. And that's what I was going to ask you. You know, you look at your team and you do have a lot of, you know, 11, $12 plus bats. You, you have Will Myers at first base, which everybody loves for his power speed combo. You can't get in many other first baseman, especially NL only. And then you went heavy in the outfield with Marteo, Zuna, and Suspedes. Um, Any of those bats that you were you're heavily targeting, or did you just miss out on someone, so you went with kind of option B? I didn't really target anybody going in. Um, I, I usually don't even spend as much as $25 on any given hitter. I like to spread it out so that you don't have as much risk at one slot. But um, I, I ended up going a little bit extra for Will Myers for those steals at first because that's steals are kind of at a premium. There really aren't more steals in the league than before, but relative to power, it's a, it's it, it commands a little more because there's power is so easy to get. Um, and then Marte, obviously, I got for his steals as well. And once I got going, I didn't stop. I I got kind of greedy and got Ozuna and uh, Cespedes too, and that that got me rolling. No, it definitely did. It's a, it's a very good base to have. I wanted to ask you about kind of your middle infield and your middle infield position. You have Chris Owings at second base for $12 and Mod Rosario at $12 at shortstop. You got Ryan McMahon um, playing third base for the Rockies. A lot of people are talking about him and speculating, you know, he could be the everyday guy there in Colorado. Uh, and then Brandon Crawford from the Giants for $11. So you kind of stuck to the 11 to $13 range there. It's a very interesting group. How do you, you know, see these guys playing out because you know owens now has a job should have a job full-time with no uh, nick or nick Medzer, but i mean uh, brandon drury's out of town and then these other these other factors yeah i mean you got to take some risks when you're only spending that amount of money um but i tried i tried to get kind of a mix of guys that i thought would be helpful i picked up uh, i feel like crawford is about as plain vanilla guy as there is but he's also kind of reliable um, Owens, I think, is probably going to be more of a super utility guy, um, yeah. what I'm reading. 
but I bet you he gets 450 at bats or more this year. So I thought at that price, he was a good get. He also is pretty good and helpful with steals. Um, as long as he doesn't get hurt, he got hurt last year. Um, and then the other two guys are rookies and really kind of unproven. But I really think the Mets don't have another option that they're going to they're contemplating at shortstop. So Rosario really has to fall on his face not to get regular at bats. He also can steal bases. Um, I'm hopeful that he'll have a better year than people think he's going to have. And then McMahon, I feel very confident that he's probably going to be their starting first baseman in Colorado. And I think he's going to be worth a lot more than I had to pay for him. So I'm pretty happy with that group. Um, obviously, though, there's some risk in, in each of those except for Crawford. Yeah, you, you were able to get uh, McMahon, which is really good, especially if he's the everyday player in Coors. Everyone has to love that. You got another Colorado player in Hardo Parra for $4. And we saw what he did last year. And by no means am I saying, and I think most would agree, that he's going to duplicate last season's great numbers. But he still can play very, very well. And for $4, a Coors field player is outstanding. So your offense is definitely – you know, looking good, especially for an NL only team. It's got a lot of balance in there, and it kind of follows, for the most part, true to what you said about how you like to spend X amount on your offense and you go to your pitching. So you have to be happy with that. Um, when we look at your pitching, Kyle Hendricks, I guess, on paper is your ace. You have him and Alex Wilber, your two big spins. But the ones I want to ask about, I absolutely love. For $3, you got Jack Flaherty. $3, Lancelin, hoping he goes to an NL team, obviously. But then AJ Mentor for 3 bucks, Nova for 3 bucks, and Madsen. For $2, those are outstanding values. What are your thoughts on uh, your, your pitching staff? Well, the guys that you're mentioning, that's pretty much why I only spend 30 most years on pitching. I mean, I get guys like that every year. Some of them pan out and some don't. And you just kind of cobble together another three slots. And this year, getting, um, you know, I basically spent $30 extra than I usually do. That's Hendricks and Wood. I mean, that's exactly what that is. But I needed to make sure that I got innings. Because last year I was left scrambling for innings, and I didn't want that to happen again. And last question I'll ask you about your team here and your reserve rounds, your dollar play, your zero dollar players. One of them that stands out to me is Coda Glover. Everyone went into last season thinking he'd be the closer in Washington. Everybody was on him. We know how that turned out. Are you taking a stab in the dark that maybe he comes back and has a, a good role in that bullpen, or is this more just a, a wait and see? Well, I think. You know, when you're picking the sixth reserve pick and out of 12 teams, NL only, you don't have a lot to go with. And I just try to find a guy who's not going to be a dead spot. I think Glover, um, you know, he has a lot of potential. He absolutely fell on his face last year. Who knows? I mean, he may be a nothing, but um, I'd rather have a nothing with upside than a nothing that's going to stay a nothing. So I took a shot with him. No doubt about it. Let's talk about a couple other teams here. And the, and the main one I want to ask about is because every year someone decides they want to do a kind of strong approach to, to their team. Dalton Daldon, and I'm pretty sure you know where I'm going with this, took Clayton Kershaw for 38, Syndergaard for 29, Strasburg for 28, and Kenley Jansen for 26. A large chunk of his budget, one would say, is wrapped up in those four, four of the top arms in the National League, no doubt about it. Uh, when you're watching that unfold, what's going on? Like, what's your thought process here, and how do you think that plays out? I think to myself, good, because I, 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 I often – because labor, you don't have to have a balanced team. I mean, most people think that you do, but if you get to trade and move players around, you don't have to. Um, so I think good because I never want those pitchers, and I'm, I'm happy that they're all consolidated on one team. 
because I'm certain he's going to want to trade at some point. And if I'm, you know, if my offense is doing well, then we might be natural trade partners. Um, that, that was my thought process as it was unfolding. Yeah. That, that's a very good point, actually. I didn't even think of it that way, but it makes a ton of sense because eventually his most expensive offensive player is Billy Hamilton. And like you said, with steals at a premium, if you go that heavy on pitching, it makes sense. And you try to piece together some bats after that. So he went all in on that approach. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. Were there any other teams that kind of stood out to you that, that had an approach that worked really, really well? Or is it kind of obviously it's up in the air. We haven't seen anything play out. But going into this, any ones that stands out to you? Um, I really like a few teams. I Honestly, this early in the year, it's awfully hard to tell. Um, but I really liked um, – I really felt like Mike Gianella got a pretty balanced team. He actually had to fill in. I don't know if you heard. Yeah. I mean, Steve Moyer. So Steve Unfortunately. Um, was there, and, and he's he worked for Yakutech, but he's been in labor for over 20 years, and he, he died suddenly. Um, and so Mike Gianella had to come and fill in for him. It was pretty tragic and pretty awful, but but he got a really good team, I think, um, on the fly, which was pretty impressive. And then I always like uh, Glenn Colton and Rick Wolf's team. They always go heavy on offense, too, and so we often are fighting it out for players. But um, I feel like they got another strong offense and will be a big contender again this year. Uh, one of the last questions for you before we go to the relievers, uh, what year is this for you in the NL labor? I can't even remember. I think the first year I had it was, I think it was like 1999. I mean, it's been a long time. I've been doing this almost 20 years. I feel young. I don't know. If I look, I don't uh, you're fine. I, I don't judge. I'm good. I'm just, you know, another guy on the mic. And I've heard tons of great stories. Uh, Paul Spore was talking about you on his podcast the other day when they were reminiscing about Steve Moyer when you guys all first met years ago in Arizona. And, um, yeah, it was an unfortunate passing with Steve. I I have never met him, but I I grew up in the fa- like playing fantasy, following all you guys in fantasy, and I I know who he is. I I've read his stuff. I've listened to him. I know who he is. Um, I don't have it on me, but you did mention him. They're doing a uh, I believe it's a GoFundMe or some kind of a home run challenge this year. Do you do you have anything yeah. you can mention on that? Yeah. So there's a GoFundMe for his daughters. Um, he has he has two young daughters, and they really could use. Oh, um, I don't have the actual GoFundMe, but it's Steve Moore. If you looked up Steve Moore and GoFundMe, you'd find it right away. Yeah. Um, I think they've raised about $8,000 so far, maybe a little bit more than that now, um, which is great. It's great. I really appreciate everybody doing that. And um, anything anyone can do, I, I, it's terrific. Yeah, and uh, I'll tweet that out from our, my website and my handle, and we'll make sure it's in the article when we post this so people can uh, – Go check that out. Show the fancy community. It's a big community, but it's a very nice, tight community. So go whatever you can do to help them out. That would be much appreciated. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand can compete with RotoWare in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. 
no thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stu- stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's talk fantasy baseball. I'm calling it relief pitchers because we're going to dig in more than just closers here as the game has changed quite a bit, as we know, with the Andrew Millers and Chris Davinskis and so on. So what we're going to do first is uh, Fancy Pro ADP for now. We'll go with we'll kind of talk one through ten, and then eleven through twenty, and then we'll take some some late round talk and go from there. Um, when you look at one through ten, you have the big guys: Jansen, Kimbrel, Chapman, then Roberto Zuna. Then it gets dicey for me: Knievel, uh Giles, Rivero, Cody Allen, Edwin Diaz, and Rossiel Iglesias. I'm not even going to mention Kaylee Jansen because I'm pretty sure we all agree that this guy is just amazing. I want to get your opinion on Roberto Asuna at four because I think this kid could be the next big thing. Are, are you buying into the numbers and he just kind of went through his, his battle with depression and things might come out on the other side this year? I'm not worried about his depression at all. Um, I mean, he's he's 23 and he's he's done nothing but perform. I'd be more worried about Toronto. I mean, Toronto doesn't seem to give him as many save chances as other teams do. I'm not sure why that is. They either seem to blow teams out. I mean, it's happened every year. I mean, his save totals, he might have 10 fewer saves than some of these other guys. His peripherals are all off the chart. Terrific. I mean, I just don't have any questions or worries at all about Ozuna other than what's his save total going to be. And given the past few years, I think it'll be a lower number than, than guys like Jansen and Kimball. And that, that, that's the hedge on it. No, that's a great point. So, and that, that makes me want to add a question before we get to uh, some other players here. You mentioned he kind of worries you because of the potential save chances. How do you approach the closer slash relief pitcher position? Um, I often don't look at all at the save total. I just look for a guy that's going to be solid and, 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 and do the job and really not have injury risk because that's a big risk with relievers too. I'd like a guy who will be there all year that the team likes that doesn't have a lot of competitors within his own bullpen. Um, you know, but, but Ozuna hits all of those categories. The only thing is, is for whatever reason, he just hasn't had, you know, guy like Mark Melanson will get, you know, 45 saves, and you're like, okay, that sounds nice. You know, Mozuna's never even come close to that, and, and I don't know why. I, I don't have a good reason why. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, the top three guys in Jansen, Kimbrell, and Chapman, are you a guy that will jump early on those, or do you just pick pick closers later? I never do that. I will tell you, I don't put Chapman with those other two either. Chapman has all the stuff to be with those other two, but he's missed time the last few years for various reasons, either suspension or injury. And I don't know why that, you know, but that's that, you know, the other guys have not. So that, that makes a big difference. No, that's a great point is uh, that, uh, that's one reason why I love Jansen so much. He, and, and obviously an injury can occur at any moment, but he is as reliable as they come these days. And um, I, I, I like to bank on that. 
Well, Johnson's an and There's really no other way to explain it. Yeah, in the great fantasy baseball invitational, I'm not sure if you're in that or not, but you are okay. Because I'm in, like, I figured you were 190 something guys, but um, in my league six, I, I'm never a guy that goes early. But I'm this. I was a second pick, so in round five, I went Jansen. It was the first time I've ever done it. Thinking in a 15 team league, that already gives me a gigantic head start on things there, and so went that route and gonna cross my fingers that changing up my my normal game plan didn't kill me. But uh, you'll let's never, go into you'll yeah. never know if it did. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Only um, does bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true, so true. Uh, Corey Knebel, Kenan Giles, and Philippe Rivero, those are three guys we know have stuff, but all have baggage with them, one would say. Philippe Rivero, not as much, but I think experience-wise. But Giles, who shaky postseason kind of lingering in people's heads. I'm not super worried there, but maybe you are. And then Knievel, it's a control thing with me. So how do you look at those three guys? You know, they're all elite relievers. I mean, they're all going to be solidly in there. Any reliever can have a stretch where they have a few bad games and everybody goes crazy because, you know, three bad games in two weeks and it's like, oh, replace the closer because everybody just remembers how horrific it is to lose a game they think they should have won. But, you know, they're all solid. They're, they're all solid. I don't have any issues with any of them. Um you know, a lot of the times it's about who's behind them, too. You know, if you sure. have a guy who has a tough stretch and there's nobody behind him that you feel real confident about, you just ride it out. Some managers get nervous right away. They have an elite reliever right next to them. They're like, switch them out, you know, for nothing. So it sort of depends on the situation as well. But they, all of those guys are solid. I love, of that group mostly, I love Rivera. Rivera Rivero's just ridiculous. Yeah, he's filthy, absolutely filthy. Uh, a couple more here, Cody Allen and Edwin Diaz. Cody Allen, I absolutely love. He's he's one of those, if I don't get Ozuna, uh, Jansen, or Kimbrell, I'm willing to wait for a guy like Cody Allen. You get him much, much later in the draft, of course. Um, he seems pretty reliable to me. And then Edwin Diaz has absolutely filthy stuff, did scuffle a bit last year. When we talked to Jason Collette a few weeks ago, he's developing a changeup, which can make him even more filthy. Uh, what are your thoughts on Allen and Diaz? Well, they're totally different. I'll start with Diaz. I think Diaz is already filthy, even without a chip. Yeah. He scuffled a little bit to start last season, and that mm-hmm. happens, like I said just a minute ago. And But then after that, perfect, awesome, lights out, just like he was the year before. I have no doubt he will be the same again this year. He's only 24. I mean, you know, just terrific. Cody Allen's been around a lot longer great track record um if they ever had any doubt about him they just throw andrew miller in there you know but a lot of times you see cleveland do that where they'll say okay we're just going to give cody allen a little break and then they stick him right back in there. they don't they don't think twice about doing that they're not like they're never going to make a permanent change i don't so i you know i'm confident in all of those guys these, these top 10 guys people should draft with confidence the problem is especially with something like NFBC is, is it worth it, you know, to spend that high a pick? That's the problem. And that's the problem entering every draft every year that I can remember. It's always, do I do it or do I just wait? Because there's always guys we talked last year. I was huge on Alex Colomay and it it worked out well this year. I'm not as huge on him and you have to pay for more this year, but there's always that guy that sits there and we'll get to them a little later, but 11 through 20, we have Brad hand, Wade Davis, Sean Doolittle, Alex Colomay, 
Mark Melanson, Hector Neris, Andrew Miller, Brendan Morrow, Kelvin Herrera, and Arodis Vizcaino. So obviously not quite the stability in that 10 that we just talked about. Um, let's start with Brad Hand. I think this guy is very, very good. He's a he's kind of a Felipe Rivero type coming from the left side there. He could be a trade candidate, so that's something to think about when you're taking him as your closer. But then again, they have him so cheap, maybe not. What's your thoughts on Brad Hand in San Diego? I love him. I think he's as good as the guys in the top ten. I mean, he's very good. He, you know, being left-handed like he is, if he were to get traded at San Diego, would want a boatload. I mean, they would oh, yeah. want anything less than just craziness to get him traded. So I think he's actually hard to trade um, from that standpoint. I mean, a team that only needs that one guy, I mean, who's that team? I, even even Houston is, is probably not going to do something like that. I mean, I so I, I think he stays. I think he's good. Um, I would I would solidly put him with the other guys up, up, above him. Um, I, I would not do that with anyone else on the rest of the yeah, the rest of the list drops quickly. There's a couple guys I do like, and there's a couple I would not touch here. And one that I am going to watch from a distance, and I could be completely wrong by season's end, is Wade Davis. I loved him in Kansas City. He was great. He was good in Chicago. He wore down towards the end. I'm worried the way Joe Madden used him is the way Joe Madden used the role as Chapman. And you already mentioned how Chapman has health issues now. I'm scared of Wade Davis, not to mention now he's in Coors Field for half of his games. Are you even thinking about taking Wade Davis this year? Oh, well, I'm I, at the right price. I'd take just Oh, well, yes. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I don't like Wade Davis so much. I mean, he was terrific when he was, you know, setting up in Kansas City and throwing multiple innings. He's really not that guy anymore at all. Um, I, I thought last – I guess I think this. I think that if he had pitched the way that the Cubs had wanted him to pitch – He'd still be a cub, and he True. so they they were done with him after last year. Colorado actually went very quickly and scooped him up, which surprised me because, of course, if you wait, as you see with all these free agents that are still out there, you can get them from practically for free. That didn't happen with Wade Davis. He got a great contract, but um, I just see him being a bit on the backside of his career. Can he close? Absolutely, he can close. Um, but, but, you know, he's not going to be as good as he was last year, which is not as good as he was the year before that, which is not as good as the year before that. So I just think that'll continue. Let's move on to number 13 here. Sean Doolittle came over to Washington in the Oakland trade with, with Ryan Manson, a guy you took for zero dollars or no, a couple dollars in your uh, labor team. It's a very interesting, you know, lefty righty combo there. Doolittle was great in the closers role, should be the starting closer to start the season. How do you approach that Washington situation with Doolittle and Matson? Well, the guy who got Doolittle in labor was Eric Carabell sitting next to me, and he was absolutely furious when I took Matson. <laughs> and the reason is is because he wanted to handcuff them together. Doolittle is lights out. The problem with Doolittle is he gets hurt every year, and he often misses huge chunks of time. And I think that anyone who gets him expecting a full season of closer out of him is really taking a big risk. Um, that's why I took Madsen. I expect Doolittle to be out, maybe not a lot, but out enough that Madsen will, you know, he'll definitely vulture some saves. So I, 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 that's why I did that. But I think Doolittle's fine. He's absolutely excellent when he's healthy. He's just you don't know what that is. You don't know how long, you know, is that four months? Is that half a season? What is that? Just depends. 
It's true, and Madsen's very good uh, a fill-in, and it could almost be kind of not to the extent of talent as Cody Allen and Andrew Miller, but like you said, where some days they'll just let Miller close. You could see Madsen getting a close like, opportunity a week or something even just to kind of space things out because it's the luxury of having a former closer in your bullpen. Um, with a situation like that, and there's a bunch of other ones around baseball, and we'll hit on some of them later, how do you approach handcuffing your closers or you just kind of say, you know what, if it happens, it happens? Well, if I get Doolittle, I'm getting him probably before Madsen comes out. I mean, it's rare that Madsen would come out earlier, but if he did, um, I would jump on. I would at two dollars. How can you not jump on Madsen? I mean, I would oh, anyway. Definitely. But um, but Doolittle comes out first, and if I roster Doolittle, then I'd absolutely be trying to mark some money to make sure I get Madsen. I don't know how I could do it without it. I, I because I have to protect the money I spent on Doolittle. Yeah, you do. Now, when you got Madsen for $2, was Caribou out of money? Yes. <laughs> okay. I was wondering. I was, I was trying to figure. There's no reason he wouldn't have said $3. <laughs> I think he would have if he could have. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. That's what I was making sure. He had to be out of money in that situation. Um, number 14 is Alex Cole. man mentioned how I loved him, and he was great last year. But everywhere you turn right now, it seems like – Everyone is very skeptical of Coleman this year. He's obviously a big-time trade target, uh, as in a lot of talks there. Are you worried about all this talk, uh, you know, control issues and hard contacts and everything with Coleman, or is it just hearsay? Well, I just think he's the opposite of Ozuna. Ozuna has trouble with save totals. Tampa seems to generate huge amounts of save totals, and Coleman had a lot of saves last year as a result. I don't think he's as talented as as some of these other guys. Um, you know, he doesn't have as high a strikeout rate. I think his control is fine. He's he's talented enough to close. The real issue with Colome is Tampa's really seems intent on trading him. And not being unable to trade him over the winter has not really dissuaded them from continuing to try. And I wouldn't be surprised if at the deadline he doesn't get moved. If he gets moved, who does he get moved to? I mean, what if he gets moved to the Dodgers so that they have an extra crazy setup, man? I mean, they have enough to give Tampa to make that work, and they've done things like that in the past. And then suddenly, Colomay is not getting any saves because he's certainly not going to supplant Kenley Jansen. Those kinds of scenarios worry me about Colomay. No, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, after Colomay, he's going to ADP 128. It drops all the way to 162 to the 15th reliever, and it's Mark Melanson. And this is one of my favorite – bounce back candidates it's not just because i'm a giants fan you have to put that to the side of fantasy of course but we know what melanson could be and if he's healthy which i really believe he is he can be dominant and the giants love to play tight games because they can't usually score a ton of runs so i think in that price range you can wait and get melanson i i feel he's in for a bounce back season what about you well you said if i think four times there so i <laughs> I mean, four ifs worry me. I, I would like True. to know that Melanson's healthy. If I know he's healthy, then I totally agree with you. I mean, there's really nothing else to say. He's the best reliever they have. There's not going to be somebody else who challenges him for that role. He just has to be healthy. That's the bottom line. And so it's really a matter of watching spring stats to make sure that he's getting, you know, it's too early right now. There aren't enough stats to know. But I think that if he's healthy, He's the guy, and he's and he he's every bit as good as guys like Brad Hand and, and some of the guys in the top ten. You mentioned spring stats, and, and it's hard to accumulate a big you know stat base to go off of when you're looking at closers, and they usually pitch the fourth or fifth inning, you know, 
early in the spring to make sure they get a, some reps against the top offense. How do you, you know, evaluate the uh, relief pitchers' numbers in spring? I look for a couple of different things. One thing I always look for is just is their velocity within the vicinity. It doesn't have to be on it, but it needs to be in the vicinity. And if it's not in the vicinity, then I want to know, are, are they having a dead arm problem or is it some other kind of problem? And if I can say it's a dead arm problem, then I'll wait and see. And if it's some other kind of problem, then I'm then I'm worried. Um, I also look a lot at, at, at strikeouts, but also walks. Um, relievers are often very slow to get their mechanics. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And if they're slow to get their mechanics early in, in spring training, that can point to a lot of different things. One of them just might be that they're going to have a bad April, you know, yeah, um, true. Be that they're hurt and they're trying to pitch through it. I mean, there's a lot of different things going on there. So I look at the walks total quite a bit. Um, strikeouts should be there. If they're not striking guys out and they're a closer, then something's wrong. I mean, unless they're Brad Ziegler, that's a different category. True. Very true. So when you're, when you're evaluating the closers, you're looking to draft – what kind of let's say k per nine are you looking at that makes them kind of elevated in your your viewpoint 10 at least at least 10, 10 at least. per nine and 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 if you look at this top 20 the only one who's not is um you know colome is not and uh, neris is not i guess some of the lower ones but but for the most part they are i mean for the most yeah. part they can all get 10 per nine i mean you know, guys like Jansen get 14, Kimbrough's 15. I mean, that's, you know, per that's nine. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> so, yeah, crazy. Absolutely crazy. For 10. And I okay. also want to see, um, you know, if I were – I don't really use um, strikeouts over walks, but if I did, I'd want to see at least a three, you know, three and a half, something like that. Because that's a good strikeouts. Yeah. Now that's a good ratio to talk about because not enough people doing it. It basically brings in everything you said about we don't want to see the walks. That's what you're looking for. And the strikeouts, it's all lumped into one. And people don't look at that stat very often. So that's a, a very good uh, differentiating point there. You mentioned the, uh, Hector Neris. They gave him the shot last year. He was up and down, but he's young as expected. The stuff seems to be there. Do you um, do you trust him this season or do you think it's going to be another roller coaster ride? I think it's hard to say. I mean, he is um, – I think he was better the year before when he wasn't closing. Um, I feel like last year he, he had he, – he certainly pitched fine, um, but he had some moments where, you know, you wonder if he's really up to the challenge. I think that, um, you know, the part of it is what else does Philly have? Philly's both kind of awful except for, you know, they just got Neshek and they got um, – other than that, I don't really know what else they have. I'm like kind of looking at my list right here. It's fine. Yeah, it's um, not much. <laughs> so you know, he's going to get a long road to, to to go and 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 hold this role. There's no reason he can't hold the role all year. He did last year, um, but he's not. You know, he's not one of these elite guys. He's not one of these crazy skill sets that you just are like, wow, okay, this is. He's just going to go in and shut the door. Every day. Uh, so I, you know, I do have a. I would put him. You know, his. I don't feel like his ADP is out of line. Yeah, that's fair. Because like you said, after that's Nishek, Tommy Hunter, Nick Birdie, Adam Morgan. Birdie maybe could be the next guy you could look at. Cause we know he throws hard, but you know, rule five guy coming off of Tommy John, you guys see what that turns into. Well, thanks for reminding me of him. He's an interesting guy. I don't think anyone's going to pick him this year or draft him, hardly anyone. Uh-huh. He, may, he may emerge later in the year. Um, and I also actually like Adam Morgan a lot. I think Adam Morgan is not good enough to start at all. 
but you never, you know, those are the kind of guys that get thrown in the pen and suddenly can be good. So he's intriguing to me. Um, I took a flyer on him too in the reserve round when I had no one else to look at, um, just because I think he's intriguing. But I don't know if he's going to And I feel pretty confident that Naris is is good enough. He's just not this elite arm that you keep him. Yeah, and they had chances to remove him last year. They really never did. So I, I think they're going to stick with the kid and, and see what they do. They're, they're rebuilding. They can take some lumps again this year if they have to to see if he really is the guy or not. So I could see that being a possibility. Um, you know, Brandon Morrow, Kelvin Herrera, I wrote his fifth guy. You know, they round out the bottom three. They have questions, obviously. Herrera, Morrow, not as much as Vizcaino's got AJ Minter calling quickly behind him. But let's talk Morrow and Herrera here. Not the most ideal closers, but they seem to have knock on wood a safe job. How do you view those two in um, late in drafts? Well, they're very different. Brandon Morrow has spent more time on the disabled list than he has helped. I mean, I don't know what makes people think that this year's going to be different. I guess because he pitched so much last year, but I don't see. I don't. I, I will be very shocked if Brandon Morrow completes the year as a closer for the Cubs just from an injury standpoint. I think um, I think people who have bought him in the past would all agree um, that that and, and so and so that's another guy that you're gonna have to look at guys behind him on the Cubs and who is it that Joe Madden would use if Brandon Morrow gets hurt. I mean Edwards I thought he pitched terrifically last year and so if I were getting Morrow I would want Edwards. But that's no guarantee either because Madden often does crazy things. And you just don't know. And they have a lot of guys. They have C Shack. They have um, they have Wilson. Sh- have, they just have a lot of guys. So it's very hard. I mean, what are you gonna do? Get a, get like eight Cubs? <laughs> I would. I honestly would stay away from Brandon Mark because I don't know for sure what happens when he gets hurt. Um, and I yeah. think it's might not it. Um, I don't think Herrera is gonna get hurt. I, I mean, I think he's been very good. The problem for Herrera, of course, is the Royals are terrible. And terrible teams often don't um, generate wins, much less save chances. And I think that he's going to suffer in that way. I don't think he's likely to be replaced. I just don't think his value is going to be very high in that role on a team like the Royals. I like it. Um, What are some late round targets you're looking at? Uh, Last year I mentioned Coda Glover was a a popular name. This year you're hearing a lot of Blake Trinan, and I like it. But you're hearing him a ton. You know, Brad Brock's got the role to start with. Um, Blake Parker, depending if you know the Angels are linked to Greg Holland now, Fernando Rodney, these are closers that are in later in rounds. So what are some of the targets you're looking at to have a closer's job right now? Well, those are the guys that I'm always going for, honestly. Um, I think Blake Trinan failing last year for Washington has been terrific for buyers because his it, it hurts his price when actually he's excellent. I mean, he's an excellent pitcher. He's as good as some of those other guys we were talking about, you know, that are, that are higher up. But, of course, he failed last year, and that sticks in people's mind. I'm sure everybody remembers when uh, David Robertson failed with the Yankees and nobody wanted him, and then he just turned out to be lights out after that. I don't think Trinan's quite as good as Robertson, but it's the same idea. Yeah. Um, I think um, I, I don't like Brad Brock at all, frankly. Um, I thought last year's probably the best year he's ever going to have. I would be surprised if he holds on to the role. Um, I think Baltimore has alternatives, too. I think Michael Gibbons is very good and could take it over. He ha- he needs some consistency. He's at all consistent, though. That could happen. Blake Parker, I love Blake Parker. And I love, of course, this time of year, 
when Mike Sosha says, we don't have a closer and I'm not naming a closer. That's the best because then Blake Parker is cheap, right? Whereas yep, if he's exactly. Blake, and he'd be, he'd be way more expensive because his stuff is terrific. I mean, there's no reason he won't be the closer for the Angels other than Mike Sosha hasn't named him, you know, specifically. Okay, whatever. I bet he's the guy who gets the saves the first week. I mean, I, I don't understand that. Other guys on this list that I like, I really like Archie Bradley. I worry that Archie Bradley is a guy that they want to use for multiple innings, kind of more like Davinsky, you know, and if they're going to do that, then he's not going to get saves. But what a great arm. I love that guy. I would take a shot at him um, where he's going in, in, in drafts. And then that, way down the list, and I mean way down the list, the Cardinals closer, Luke Gregerson. Yes. Has anybody heard of this guy? It's like he's been around for a long time. And all he's done has been great. I don't understand why people hate him. I understand why Cardinals fans hate him because Cardinals fans think that they deserve the World Series every year or something, and they think that they need a closer like Kenley Jansen or else it's not fair. I don't know what they think. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I've taken Luke Gregerson every chance I've gotten, um, and, and I would do it again. I mean, and what, what is his ADP? It's so far down. 271. I mean, good God. Why? I don't understand. Yep. I, I just don't. So there got, there's a whole bunch of relievers in here above him that aren't close. I, 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 it's mind-boggling. Just for people's reference, Fernando Rodney is going 212. Shane Green of the Tigers is going 222. Gregerson, 271. Makes no sense. That makes no sense. I would, and, and of those two, I like Rodney way better than Green. I don't know. I mean, Green is not good. But the problem, of course, is the Tigers don't have anyone else. That's yeah. why that's the only reason. Uh, you mentioned Luke Gregerson, and I agree with everything you had to say. What's your thoughts on Dominic Leone, though? I know the kid is very, very good, and people are saying he's going to step in at some point. Do you have any any desire to grab him even later as a handcuff, or do you just think that's just talk right now? Yeah, I don't. I, you know, he's okay. I mean, he's good. He's not a terrible pitcher. He's not nearly as good as Gregerson. And he's – what is he? He was with Toronto, and then before yeah. that he was with Seattle. I mean, he, he didn't, you know, he actually puts up okay peripherals. That's why people like him, because you see the peripherals. But I don't see huge results where it's like, oh, this is a guy you have to have. I mean, from a results standpoint, Joe Smith's better. No one's going to. Joe Smith with Houston now was with Toronto. Yeah. I mean, was he, he, that guy's bounced around the league forever. He's not really a closer, though. You know, I don't think Leon's as good as him. I don't think Leon's as good as Gregerson, and I don't, I don't really see him being a closer. If he's a closer for the Cardinals, things have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Uh, what do you do with these guys like Archie Bradley, Chris Davinsky, Andrew Miller? You know, you have Addison Reed in Minnesota, who's very, very good. He's Dylan Batances, David. There's tons of very talented relievers, not closers, that, you know, could get a save here or there, saves hold leagues. But if anything, the, you know, counting stats, the whips, the ERAs are very, very good. How do you approach those guys in your drafts? I, I assume deeper leagues, AL, NL only type formats, but how do you look at that situation? I like to come, I mean, I have not done this, but I love this theory of combining a guy like that with a pitcher who has excellent ERA and whip, but not a lot of innings. A guy like Rich Hill, a guy like uh, Charlie Morton, a guy like Brad Peacock, a guy that can give you excellent numbers but just doesn't have a lot of innings so i need to get a guy who's going to get you know fill in those extra innings and you know the chad greens and the davinsky's are the guys that can do that 
No, I, I like that a lot. I've, I've been looking at that in deeper leagues. You can definitely fit them in. Um, how, what are your thoughts on the whole new movement of saves hold leagues? Because that does make those guys, you almost take half of those guys before you take the second half of closers in baseball. Well, I mean, real baseball um, is, I mean, saves are stupid in real baseball. It really doesn't it's true. matter. It's true. It's <laughs> true. matter if they pitch the ninth or they pitch the sixth or the seventh. And what's really important is are they pitching in high leverage? And that's something that's hard to capture in fantasy baseball. Um, or, or if you do capture it, your league is a lot harder to deal with. I mean, it's, um, you know, some of it's play, making it fun and playability too. So, so they aren't going for the leverage. They have to do something to make it, I guess, more realistic, hold to that um, to some degree. I, I just feel like, you know, holds make it so that a lot more relievers have some kind of value. That, that's what yes. it's worth. Um, a guy like Taylor Rogers for Minnesota. He really isn't worth a whole lot in a regular league just saves. When holds come into play, suddenly that guy is playable. Uh, we have a bunch of free agents in baseball still, but one big-time reliever is Greg Holland coming off a great season. How do you approach him right now in drafts without a job? Um, I do not approach him. I leave him alone. That's thing. what I've been doing. You know, he could sign with St. Louis tomorrow. And then what I said about Gregerson's out the window, Leon's not even on the reserve, you know. Or, or he doesn't. He signs with San Francisco because I don't know why. And then, you know, I mean, those are the kind of things that can happen. We don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, every, every, not every closer, but a lot of closers are at risk with, with Greg Holland sitting out there. Um, doing nothing because one thing I do think is I don't think he's going to sit there, you know, once opening day is going. You know, I've heard Mustakas threaten that. I don't see how Greg Holland threatens that. Yeah, the Mustakas threat article I was reading yesterday, and I got an update right before we recorded that he's in talks with the Royals on a one year deal now. So <laughs> that lasted all of 24 hours. Mustakas is doing that. You know, Greg Holland's doing that. It's just with who? And that's exactly interesting i mean i i've i've long thought that the cubs would be the perfect team for him um and wouldn't that be ironic if um if wade davis is with colorado and greg hollins with the cubs yep they flipped because like I, I love what you said on brandon morrow that that move just made me scratch my head wondering why would you pay him that much to be a closer when he's never healthy to be a closer that one blew my mind there but um they made a lot of moves this year and they're going for it why they still can yep. Are, you know i'd say and you'll probably have a much better number than I do. I'd say 50% of closers will be switched by season's end. It seems that way, at least. I might be overshooting it, undershooting it. I don't know. What are some of the just names off the top of your head, or if you have a list of some guys you're targeting as the next best thing that you think will definitely have a role by season's end? Well, we've talked about some of them because of injury. Um, I'll tell you a guy that I actually like a lot that I did not get in labor, unfortunately. Um, is Drew Steckenrider. Drew Steckenrider's with Miami. Um, he's behind Brad Ziegler, who can't even strike out six guys per nine, which is ridiculous. Um, and, and, and Ziegler's a named closer, but we'll see how long that goes. Um, and then and then there's there's Kyle Bearclaw. Bearclaw's not much better than Ziegler. I hate to say it, but he walks way too many guys. He's very inconsistent. Um, and he's hittable. I don't. I don't think he's nearly as good as people thought he was this time last year. Second rider sticks out to me because he's very, very good, um, excellent even, um, better than a lot of closers that are you know in the roles right now. And I can see him easily um, jump in that queue and becoming a closer. 
So he's a guy that I would definitely try to get if I can. I think a lot of people are on him. I mean, I think yeah. $4 in um, labor, which is a big number for a non-closer. Well, that's why I loved your uh, your $0 on AJ Mentor. I think he's going to be closing in Atlanta later this season. I think that's a phenomenal look. And then you mentioned Michael Givens already. I think he's another target for people in drafts. He'll be really solid. Um, last question I have, and then we'll wrap this up. If you had to pick, you know, I'll, I'll give you a Melanson's at 15, so that doesn't count. Pick 16 or later on these ADP lists, um, and it could be as late as you want. What's one of the late round guys that you think can end up being a top 10 closer by season's end? Top 10 closer by season's end. Like I said, I picked, I loved Colin May last year, and he came up, and I think I got lucky there. But what's the guy you're looking at that blossom? Probably, probably Minter. I mean, I think AJ Minter's as good as anybody. Um, he just he's new, you know. People yeah. don't know yet. Um, but I'll tell you who won't stand in his way is Aratus Vizcaino. Vizcaino is not going to stay in the way of, of Minter. And I, if I had to say one guy that I think is just going to win out on just sheer talent, he's the guy. Yeah, and I agree. That's why I skipped him over when I said he was in the top twenty. I'm like, we don't need to talk about him. I, I'd be shocked if he's there. I'll give him maybe the end of April. <laughs> I don't see it lasting long. He might last longer than that, but maybe not Maybe not till the All-Star break. Yeah, exactly. Well, Doug, it's been a pleasure. I, I really, really appreciate you jumping on and uh, talking some baseball with me, everybody. Check him out on Twitter, at DougDennis41, Baseball HQ. Uh, any final thoughts, Doug? Nope, absolutely happy to be here. Wish you luck during your seasons, but not too much luck in the in the great fantasy uh, invitational. Maybe, maybe you'll come in second. That'd be good. You know, honestly um, – I, I obviously want to win, but I think I'd take second in that thing. Yeah, <laughs> That's gonna I'd be happy if, if that meant I came in first. Well, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I agree. Well, Doug, again, thanks for joining me, everybody. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 77, talking relief pitchers with Doug Dennis from Baseball HQ. Catch you guys next time. Thank you.